Mango Mustache Media. Welcome to One Word Stories, you beautiful people. You're back. Maybe you're here for the first time. Whatever the reason is, I'm so happy you're here with me today. This is One Word Stories, the show where we take one word and let it inspire the stories we tell. I'm your host, Alex Schulte. This show is part of the LAS Podcast Network. Check them out, laspodcastnetwork.com. Uh, put a slash plus at the end of it if you'd like to subscribe to LAS Plus, which is our, like, it's like Netflix, but for local podcasts. There's a lot of exclusive content there that you can't get anywhere else. There's a lot of ad-free episodes there. Uh, uh, you get discounts at our live events, and also you will be sexier because of it. I promise you that. But I have a really, really special guest with me today in the studio here at the Dave Schmolt Creative Suite on the fourth floor of Theater Cedar Rapids. And it's a person that that I have seen perform since I was a child. I've been to her house for rehearsals before because she did shows with my dad. Um, A local rock star, or diva, let's call her. She puts the rock in Rothrock. It's Lynn Rothrock. Lynn, hi. Hi. Welcome to One Word Stories. Thank you so much for having me. I'm just going to get you closer to this mic right here because these ones are so sensitive. Dude, I'm okay. You're on the show because you reached out to me and I was like, Lynn Rothrock's reaching out to me to be on my (laughs) podcast? No fucking way. Oh, so it's okay to say fuck. Yeah, that that was my way of telling you. Thank you. Um, yeah, well, first of all, I love podcasts, and yeah. I do have a vague interest in podcasting, and uh, I listened to a couple of yours. We chatted. We mm-hmm. met that yep. day at the- I was drinking that day. And I just said, hi, I'm uh-huh. Lynn, and I knew your dad, and yep. blah, blah, blah. And I freaked out. It was at a, a Broken Spoke? or, or, or The one the by Kickstand? Cedar Lake. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I was on a bike crawl. Yes, and <laughs> I was just biking for yeah. exercise. Oh, <laughs> I was biking for alcohol. Good for you. Good for you. I'm sure you were having more fun. Oh, I don't know. You looked uh, like you were having a good time with I did, your I was. with your yeah. friend. Yeah, we were having a great time. Um, yeah. so mm-hmm. so yeah, coincidence brought us together again, mm-hmm. and it was like, hey, let's become friends on Facebook, and then right. here we are now. So yeah. this is really incredible for me to be having a conversation with you. Great, I've thanks. always thought you were, you know, just a local legend. Oh wow. Um, and and the fact that I'm like sharing a studio with you right now is actually wild to me oh alex that's crazy but thank you well you're very welcome and it's and it's not crazy at all it's very (laughs) accurate um so so for those that don't know who you are um if there are those people i I can tell you there are there are okay well maybe they're not they're not coming to my shows well a lot of people (laughs) let's fix that you guys what are you doing go to lynn's shows um because they really are incredible you're one of the best vocalists from our area in the history of our area, like you have such control over your voice, it's it's amazing. And you also put together a great show. You pick great music. You you have great renditions of these different songs. But I don't want to get to that just okay, quite great. yet. Okay, great. I don't. I, I, I really want to find out in 2022 who is Lynn Rothrock. Who is she? Yeah. Well, she is. Uh, 
I would say she's probably like a 28-year-old in the body of a 58-year-old. <laughs> um, and she is still a singer, a, a big educator, big, big into arts education mm. and teaching a lot of the stuff that I've taken many, many years to keep trying to figure out myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a daughter. My mom is 92, and uh, I actually spent most of the month of January that I had off from work taking her to appointments. So, <laughs> wow, that's so that's so wonderful. Oh dude. yeah, it's she's the main reason I hang in Cedar Rapids. What's your mom's name? Ruth. Ruth Rothrock. Shout out to Ruth. I don't know Ruth Rothrock. Roth- that's Rothrock. okay. Why would you? But I you looked at me that, like I, you're like no, no, because it's such a great name. And my, it's a really good name. And my dad was Rocky. So Rocky and Ruth Rothrock. Why didn't they give you an R name? I don't know. I think they... Um, like, Lynn Rothrock is a great name. I think they thought Rothrock was a unusual enough name that they wanted to give me something simple for a first name. Ruth and... Roth- but my dad was a professional baseball player. And, really? in fact, he's in the Hall of Fame out of the Colonels. So his name what? was actually Daryl, but then because of baseball, it became Rocky, and it stayed that way. Oh, so God. It's Rocky it. on his checks and in the phone book. And got yeah. it. So did Rocky he, and Ruth Rothrock. Did he get it legally changed ever? No. 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 Okay. Well, no. that's so fun. Yeah. Side note, Rocky's the name of one of my favorite Power Rangers, but- you know, Oh, wow. Well, he that's... was the red one back in the 90s. Okay. When I was a kid, and that's what I <laughs> wanted to be, you know. But we, we're not we're not back to the '90s yet. We're gonna no. we're gonna take a time machine here, and we are gonna yes. go back in time to okay. find out how Lynn Rothrock got to 2022. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. Um. So what what are you busying yourself with these days? So you're educating. Love, you're yes. doing shows. Yeah. Um. Um. But how's educating go? How much are you just getting the most fulfillment ever out of that? In some ways, yes, for sure. Uh, but I will say, um, it depends. Being an arts educator during COVID is not as fulfilling. I forgot to introduce the word. Oh, oh. Oh my gosh. Do we need to start over? No, we don't need to start over. It's organic. Can I, I'm so sorry that I asked you a question that I had to interrupt you. No, that's okay. Let's, let's introduce today's word because it's so important to our conversation. Yeah, it is. Al Betker, help me out. Today's episode is brought to you by the word... Presence. Oh, wait, we were going to say it together. Let's say it together. I didn't know that. Sorry. I will. Ready? <laughs> well, it, it looked like you were about to say it too. Well, I was scared and I didn't know what to do. I panicked. I choked. Uh, Let's do it again. Oh, I panicked too. And that's why I'm okay. Here, here, we, go. here we go. Yeah, For the go. record, I do really want to just mention that, like, it's almost every episode that you forget the word now. So now it's just a thing. Yeah. Now it's just part of it. Uh, I'm a forgetful person. It's part of the charm. I have the adahada, You're otherwise so- known as ADHD. Uh, You're so excited to talk to our guest. I was. I was like, let's let's go. We're on a rocket ship to Mars. Okay, so let's say presents at the same time. Okay. Right, three, two, one. Presents. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now we're on track. Now nothing can go wrong. Okay. We're talking about presents. Yes. Why are we talking about presents? Because you have a presence about you in everything that you do. Um, and it was actually, I brought this word up and I'm curious to know why that word stuck out to you. Well, immediately, as soon as you said it, it did. And I'll say a few things. I think some people think of the word like someone has a good stage presence. Yes. Meaning there's just like a, um, some kind of energy or it quality that makes makes them, um, be able to hold focus of a crowd of people. Um, but I also think of it in terms of trying being present, Mm -hmm. like, Yes. Being present, which in my opinion is what gives someone a stage presence. Right. That's just my kind of the 
thing, idea that I've come to after a lot of years of, of both being an audience member, being a performer, teaching people. Um, I think the act of being present when you're making art is also what brings a stage presence. Mm -hmm. And it's also um, the greatest thing that I learned from my husband, mm. who was the most present like musician person in the actual act of making music on stage of anyone I've ever seen. And your husband, Ron, was an incredible yes. performer, musician. Yes. Like you said. Yeah. Uh, uh, quadruple threat. Right. <laughs> Uh, every sense of the word. And we're definitely going to get to him yep, yep, and sorry. how that mm -hmm. has affected your life because yeah. I know that was maybe the biggest moment of your life, a big, yeah. a big change. Yes. And, yes. Um, but I don't want to get ahead of ourselves okay, here. Okay, that's fine. Because, and I'm so excited to hear about that for the record. <laughs> um, but being present, where yes. do you think your presence comes from? Um, Does it come from experience? Does it come from a person in your life? Did it just naturally come? Okay, I think it's. I think it's. Uh, I think it has come from experience, but I also think it is. I hate to say this because it's so kind of discouraging, but I think mm. there's a certain thing that you uh, that just might be part of one's personality. Mm. I don't want to say you're born with it, no, but in yeah. some ways, I think there's some kind of. Um, charisma or some kind of I think that's a great word for it thing that you have you can cultivate it or not and and or cultivate it channel it into whatever way you want but um, it's a little bit of a thing that's kind of unnameable unknowable yes. unteachable right however then through experience I think is maybe the way I would describe it the best is say is when you learn how to control it or utilize it tap into it make it uh work for you and with you mm. uh see you saying that's giving me ideas of what i think presence is now too and i i think it, it comes from a natural curiosity mm -hmm. um in other people because right. that brings you uh, empathy which then you can take into your charisma so you're yeah. on the stage and you can read an audience and you can see how they're feeling yeah. and you can ebb and flow with that audience yeah and i also think to, to be really present with people you also have to be uh, vulnerable you can't just be charisma that, that might know? be the biggest word yeah you right? have to be like i'm i'm going to like unzip my little heart here and show you a piece of it Yeah. when I'm singing. Yeah. And that in turn then makes uh, for this connection. Um, that's that's what I think. I think there has to be a vulnerability to I it. I think so too. I think so too. Because people, humans, audiences, everyone can pick up on bullshit. That's right. And yeah. if you're getting up there and you're faking it that's and right. you're not being vulnerable with them and you're trying to put on this, this thing, they're going to pick up on that and it's just not going to go the way you want it to go. You're not going right. to have like you said, control yeah. of, of where that show is going in direction. And I think what everybody wants is connection. Yes. Like for whatever is your like uh, art form of choice, what we're really after is an emotional connection. Mm -hmm. And so um, in order to really give, create that, you kind of have to be present. You yeah. can't really phone it in. Yeah. Look at us being present right now. We're so smart, we're too. So, oh, my God. Yeah, we're so smart and present right now, you guys. I'm so here. I am so here. <laughs> I'm definitely sitting in this chair right now. <laughs> and, and I am absolutely not thinking about a snack. I am not. <laughs> I forgot to eat today. I'm so hungry right now, Lynn. You have no idea. 
I was like, gosh, I hope my stomach doesn't growl out enough for the mic to pick it up because that's going to happen here. Well, you um, can't be thinking about that if I you're going to be present with me. You're right. And yes. I'm not. Uh, we should be present together and get some food sometime. That's right. Yeah. Uh, is what it sounds like. <laughs> we should be present at a restaurant. A hundred percent. So let's let's go back a little bit. Yeah. To the pandemic. Yeah. We're still in it technically. Yes. 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 But it's it is different than 2020 already. Yeah. How was 2020 for you when the world <laughs> ended Came to an end. Yeah. in March? Well, interestingly, I was teaching, um, I teach at Luther and at Co, and both places went 100% online. So then I just had to scramble, and Grandma had to find out how to work Zoom meeting and all of that (laughs) technical stuff, and I had to spend a lot of money to buy equipment and Mm. try to get going with that. Um, But after that was rolling, um, I have to say that I I don't think I struggled with it as much as some people, and this is going to sound very... I don't know what, but um, I had already become quite familiar with solitude because my husband died Yes, like four, four years ago now. So I'd been living alone. I'd been spent, you know, I was the only one in my house for a while. So I was kind of used to it. Yeah. And for that reason, I don't think I struggled as much as I would have if I hadn't kind of already gotten that rhythm going that for myself. That is so interesting. I know. It's, it's a... Uh, it still was kind of terrible because I do. I, I like people, yeah. and I like um, my work involves all of the things that also involve the spreading of aerosols. I guess <laughs> <laughs> if we want to just get right down to it. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. So yes, it was a huge shift, and and there were pieces of it that were already a little familiar to me. Yeah. So right, right. Yeah. Well, you had a little bit more. Yeah, so like you said, you had more experience than other people in yeah. in that solitude. That's so interesting to yeah. me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, how how was it then? What, you know, then what did, what did you do to occupy your time? <sighs> I don't. You know, know. How, I, how did I, you maintain your mental health? Well, I mean, I did have a lot of online contact with students. And doing that work, which is great. And the the other thing that's interesting is I have a lot of really, really good friends that are all over the country that I don't see nearly enough because I've lived a bunch of different places. Yes. And suddenly here's this thing called Zoom. Right. And at least initially, I'm able to connect with people that I wouldn't be connecting with. And it's or not so weird. Ma- to... Maybe we'd email or something, but you're right. seeing their face and hearing their voice. Right. So let's have th- a bottle of wine and get a Zoom call. That's right. And, hang out. and at first that that happened more socially with people that I wouldn't have been able to be in the same room with anyway. Right. So that was kind of good. Um, I well, think great. like yeah, I, I'm glad there, it were, went... there were things about it that were. Um, I don't know. Good isn't the right word, but obviously it was terrible. Yeah, without a doubt, we're not we're not pretending like it wasn't. But but yeah, I, I yeah. I'm so glad that um um it wasn't as bad for you. Uh, right. You know, right. of course, I'm not glad for the reason that no, you no. had practice with the solitude. But right, right, right. But right. I I'm glad that that you were yeah. able to handle it better than most. You know, I think it was less shocking to my system because of that. Sure, mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. Well. Let's go back a step further. Okay. Um, I was hoping to to save Ron's death for the second half of the show, but I think it's kind of organically come up. Okay. <laughs> and I and and I know you're so comfortable talking. I'm 100 percent comfortable, and I, we also can talk about it in the second half. I don't care. Well, it's, Whatever it's, you want to do. It's a natural. Um, it's going to come. It up. It feels like yeah. It's yeah, a huge. Yeah. It's a huge part of your life, and it's a huge mm-hmm. part of who you, who you are now. Absolutely. Um, can we? How, how did how did Ron pass? Uh, he had pancreatic cancer, but unlike most people with pancreatic cancer, he actually lived with it for almost four years, which is actually a lot longer than most people do because mm. it's a, just a very deadly cancer. 
Um, so I guess it would be eight, almost eight years ago that he was diagnosed. Mm. And then he was able to, I mean, you know, everything under the sun that they do, the chemo, the huge, huge surgery called a Whipple that he was able to have, and um, all the things that bought him time. Yeah. You yeah. know, so there's time, you know, Thank time buying. Yeah. And those extra time. I guess. I mean, I yes, because I'm, I'm just be, being optimistic, I guess. No, but also because the thing that came to the forefront in his case was we need to get him making music as much as possible in front of as many people as possible. And that we really did. I mean, he did a ton of playing. He played to bigger audiences. He really was able to tap in, I think, to probably um, a lot of really fabulous things in terms of his musicianship and his purpose yeah. uh, during that time. And yet I would look back at that time and say it was just absolutely terrible. Right. Because the suffering that nobody sees is un... It's just unbelievable, you know? So since we're going back in time... Yes. I, I do want to get to what that four years was like after his diagnosis. Yeah. But how was life after you lose your life partner for you? Yeah. Um, How did you handle that situation? Um, well, I will what? say a couple things. One is that even though you know it's coming, it's you can't really ever be prepared for it. And um, in his case, he just didn't want to die. He was... He had what they called terminal restlessness, meaning mm. uh, sometimes they see it in young people who just fight it so much. And so he had a very long kind of extended um, period of being in the dying process. And it was just excruciating, absolutely excruciating, where he was nonverbal. And um, it was so much more traumatic than I ever thought it could be. Um, I have a really weird question. Yeah, go ahead and ask. It's... Was there any sense of relief? when um, he wasn't in pain anymore? Well, yes. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Because it was totally you know? terrible to and, watch someone gasp for breath, right? And, and, and a selfish note to you, you know, I don't know if I'd say selfish by any means, but yeah. but um, now you don't have to watch that right. anymore. That's true. That's a really powerful thing, well, too. Well, that's the difficulty of a situation like that because it's the worst thing in the world but you also don't want it to end. Yeah, you know, it's just, right. the, and uh, listen, the, this, my experience wasn't particularly unique. Like this happens to people all the time, every day, and it will. And I, I think in our culture, we don't do a great job of, of talking about death. And so I'm been always been pretty public about it. I really appreciate and, that. Um, and I feel like uh, we got, because I was public about it, we got so much support from the community and it was just unbelievable. I mean, Ron was overwhelmed with how much love people gave him, which is Good. great. Um, I'll say that is, um, when he died, uh, I really just sat alone in my house and I, nobody came over. <laughs> I was like, where are the casseroles? They never came. Oh. I'm not kidding. I was like, are people going to come and visit? And they just didn't. And I don't know if it's because... Where are the casseroles? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, I love a casserole. It's like, I'm like, it's the best part, too. I know, and there's a lot of them. So I'd be like a church potluck where I could have eight casseroles <laughs> for dinner. Um, it was very... I was very isolated, and I, and I don't know why. Maybe because I had been so public or people 
look in Facebook and they think, oh, she's got so much support. But I was just really alone in my house for a very long time. I think that's a really strong thing to say about social media, too. Yeah, you know, we absolutely. see that on there. And you, you really can't assume what no. you're seeing on social media is true in the real world. No. And also the, the lovely things people say on social media, which of which there are so many to mm-hmm. us, they probably would not have quite had the courage to say in person. Right. So sure. that's a lovely thing. By the same token, it's not necessarily a real reflection of what is their day-to-day life is like, even though I think those people mean those things for sure. Uh, of course they do. Yeah. But, but maybe I, I really am trying to be careful and not putting a negative spin no, it's on okay. any of this, but maybe it's a little bit of a cop-out for someone to say, I'm it, just going to leave a comment. It's and probably then I'm, easier. I'm good. You know? Well, I will. I reached also, out. I will say that. She liked it. You know, <laughs> she put a heart on it. You know, um, in the world of grieving, which there's all kinds of writing and, and things about that, that they always say the worst thing to say to somebody is, let me know if you need anything. Right. Even though it feels like this wonderful thing, it's the worst because you've just given me something on my to do list. Right. Now I have to then, you know, reach out to you to ask. I'm never going to do it. Right. So it's it's so interesting, and people always. Right. They, oh yeah. They, I didn't even think about it that I'm way. I'm never gonna say, "Hey, would you, there's a prescription that needs picked up, and I got a load of dirty laundry." <laughs> yeah. It's never gonna happen. Right. However, if you think of the things that everybody needs, like everybody needs their lawn mode, everybody has laundry. I, I'm gonna come over at two, and I want you to have baskets of laundry for me, and I'll deliver them at four. You know, whatever. Wow. There's a lot of things like that that we don't That's need to go a into. Great but, idea. Or there's like a checklist that I've seen people show where they say, um, I will take your children for um, to a movie and dinner. You know, just whatever people. When people need things, they need the normal things. Mm-hmm. So even if you can't think of like what's the magic thing that's going to make their life or, or sickness or grief better, they still need the crappy things too. Right. And that just would be nice to have them off their plate. Right. But really. It's not just I'll come over and watch a movie with you. I, I need my dishes did. That's right. Come over and That's do my right. dishes. Or it's snowing and I could use my driveway right. shovel. No. I do not want to get the, the shovel out of the freaking garage. Come right, over. Right, right, right. Well, next time it, uh, it snows, I'll, I'll come over and, and it's pay, too late. pay my respects. Now that I've had to mention it, it doesn't really mean anything. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> no, but I will say that for me, I would say that whole first year, I really just felt like I was just trying to breathe in and out yeah. and just keep going. What's interesting, and I was just thinking about this the other day, I... The year later, maybe, I did start doing some adjunct teaching at Luther College. And just as one of the things at the end of the first semester, like an evaluation thing, where they they asked me to fill out these questions. And one of the questions was, um, like, what, within the last year, what professional development things have you done in your field? Which you're just like, oh, God, this is so stupid. But then I just was like, okay. And then I opened my calendar, and I was like, well, I conducted an honor choir in Honduras. I played the lead in a cool. the Midwest premiere of a play here. I um, sang at the Dakota with Michael Feinstein. I judged choirs in Chicago, New York. And as I went down the list, I was like, wow. Yeah. I mean, I was breathing in and out, and these were gigs that I already probably had or whatever. But it was pretty significant when I spelled it out like that and thought, I guess I've been breathing in and out and I maybe have been going through the motions, but things have happened. You know, things that have you happened. being present with because of um, yeah, other things in your life. That's right. Or like things have happened that I did and I I think even in those moments, I, there was connection made. It just, as a whole, it felt like a big blur, but 
it still happened. It still kept going. And so, then it just got easier. To bring it back to the word, do you yeah. think that that look in the mirror um, yes. uh, really did bring you back to being present? Yeah, I do. I think so. I think it did. I think I went, oh, okay, I'm I'm living through this. Yeah. I'm I'm breathing in and out, but I'm also doing stuff. I'm letting the water flow over me or yeah. whatever yeah, the yeah, analogy yeah. is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Pass through me. It had a it just really had an impact because then I was like, okay, I guess I'm do I'm doing it. I'm I'm still doing things. And that's what happens eventually. You you have that sudden realization and you come back to the real world a little bit. Yeah, that's right. Oh, that's so powerful. Yeah. Um so I'm really interested to hear about that four years. Okay. From after the diagnosis to his death. Okay. Um, I'd like to come to that after the break. Great. If that's okay with sure. you. Sure. But before we go to break, mm-hmm. I do have to throw it to something a, bu- a bit more lighthearted. That's okay. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and it's we don't g- want to talk about my dead husband the whole time? I mean, I no. I do, actually, I because it is so fascinating, <laughs> and I think it's something that people deal with, and we refuse to talk about I it. I know. That's so, how I feel, too. So I think but... it's really fucking cool that we're doing it, yeah. for the record. And yes, we were, we are going to come back to your that's dead okay. husband, I'm just as kidding. you beautifully yeah. put. Go ahead. Um, but <laughs> let's throw it to okay. True Love and Two Lies, brought to you by Ginsburg Jewelers. Yes! It's my favorite game to play. True love, two lies. Ginsburg Jewelers. Go and check out the wonderful Ginsburg Jewelers across the street from Best Buy in the same parking lot as Ponchero's right next to that beautiful fountain on First Avenue. If you if you hit Collins Road, you went too far, okay? Right on First Avenue, right next to the fountain. Go and check out Steve and his amazing team at Ginsburg Jewelers. If you let them know that I sent you or the LAS Podcast Network sent you, they're going to give you a 10% discount on your, your next order. And that could be a lot of money. Let's say you spend $100,000 on jewelry. Whoa, big spender. You just saved $10,000. <laughs> <laughs> Don't laugh at me and my slow math. <laughs> I almost said a thousand. And I was like, oh wait, that's one percent. So anyway, <laughs> oh, we're gonna play a game, Lynn. All right. You're gonna okay. I'm just, now I'm laughing at myself. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna give you three stories, three proposal stories. One of them's true. Okay. You're gonna have to tell me which one's real, and then I'm going to reveal to you if you're if you're right or not by playing the audio. Of the person who has the correct story. Gotcha. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've got a I've got a little treat for the listeners of the show. I'm trying to I'm trying to give some love back to the people who've been around. Mm-hmm. But a couple of these stories have been on the episodes before. Okay. So, Lynn, you should have listened to all my shows. First I, of all, okay. Shame on you. I can't believe I haven't. I know. Second of all, thanks to everybody else who did, and this is for you guys. Okay. Okay. Here we go. Story number. One. So part of my then-girlfriend and my routine was always to go on a morning walk. We'd always stop off and get coffee at our favorite coffee shop, and then we'd go and look at the lake that was right next to our house. Little did she know that I gathered her entire family there for us to, to see us, hopefully, yes, hopefully, get have a successful engagement. So, we actually went to the end of a dock on the lake where I got down on one knee 
She turned around after looking at the water to find me, and I proposed. She said yes, and her whole family was waiting at the end of the dock on land to see us propose to each other. It was beautiful, magical, and I didn't drop the ring in the water, so it was a big win. That's story number one. Okay, got it. Does that feel real? It definitely feels like something I've perhaps seen happen. Oh, you think maybe I wrote that and stole it from a movie? I think it could have come from anywhere. All right. Or it could be real. It could be. There's so many options. I know. There's two options, really. Okay. Is it, is it real or is it fake? <laughs> well, like, it, it could have really happened and to somebody else. And it could you have. just start making it up now. True. So that's another option. But go ahead. Let's hear the other story. Story number two. Okay. So my husband and I have always been huge fans of The Bachelor. We watched every season since Colton's season and haven't stopped since. One season of The Bachelor, one of the moms was a a little overly dramatic by crying to her son, who was The Bachelor, saying, quotes, bring her home, unquote. And my boyfriend and I have always joked about that moment in the show. Well, last year during Hannah's season, we got tickets to the Men Tell All special episode. We went to the studios in LA to see the show and afterwards, when we waited around to meet some of the cast members, the dramatic mother of The Bachelor was there. She came to my boyfriend, she came to my boyfriend referring to me, bring her home. And we laughed hysterically and then she dropped to one knee and proposed. I couldn't be more happy. Okay. Lynn, I saw you make a face when I said The Bachelor. Are you are you part of Bachelor Nation? I'm not really. But I, I will say I just watched like the first episode like last week. Of of the new one? The new the newest yeah. season? Mm-hmm. Oh, he's so boring. I think also he's stupid. He's also dumb. He's not smart. Yeah, I'm not mm-hmm. a fan. Not no. a fan of their choice for Bachelor and the, this year. The incredibly loud, loud kissing noises oh. have made me rethink everything I ever thought about kissing in general. You should watch Too Hot to Handle on Netflix. It's I awesome. Think- <laughs> It's way. It's like a better version. <laughs> they get all these like really sexy people together, Ugh. and then they're like, "All right, two hundred thousand dollars. You can't have sex. You can't kiss. You can't touch. Every time you do, we take money out of the pot, and then you just watch them suffer for two weeks. Not really, because then they self grow, and then they like <laughs> learn how to have an actual connection instead of just wanting to, you know, have a roll in the hay. Okay. Well, anyway, story number three. <laughs> So our love love story started the same way most love stories do, and that's in sweatpants at a karaoke bar. There's a local dive bar that does karaoke on Fridays and Sundays, and you could find me and my friends there at least one Friday a month. It was never a place where I thought I would meet my future wife, but hey, weird things have happened. We met while talking about how much love we love the song choice she made. Yes, I made the first move. It was one last time from Hamilton. So years later, when Hamilton finally came out on Disney+, Plus, our friends and us threw a Hamilton watch party. We were watching the show, and right before the song One Last Time came on, I slipped out of the room and put on my George Washington costume to be back for the song. I came around the corner, all dressed up, everyone was laughing, and my girlfriend had no idea what was about to happen. She thought I was just being weird as usual, but at the end of the song, at the perfect moment, I dropped down on one knee, asked her to be my right-hand woman, and we got married this past June of 2021. Okay. 
That's story number three. Okay. You have all the stories now. So one of them is true or? One's true. And two are made up. I wrote two of them. Okay. And I'm supposed to pick. You got pick. The right one. If you'd like to um, what, keep, there a, keep your left hand. I was going to say, is there a prize? <laughs> no. Okay. No. Yeah, you can either win this puppy <laughs> that I have out here. Yeah. Oh. Or we will kill it. Okay. <laughs> or I'll throw it out the window. Stop. So if you don't want this puppy um, to die, guess right. Oh, good. I know. It's pretty bad. Sponsored um, by Ginsburg Jewelers. Remember that. <laughs> Thanks, Steve. Remember this dead puppy is sponsored by Ginsburg Jewelers. Sorry, Steve. Um. I, okay. So I think at the dock. Yeah, I got it. I remember, I'm going through them. Hamilton, and then the Bachelor. Mm-hmm. <sighs> God. Oh. Oh, my God. Logan. No, that don't play terrible. sound effects. That that was a sad sound effect. That I was, was looking for like a happy puppy good. sound. Oh my God. My bad. That was awful. <laughs> okay. Sorry. My bad. So, first of all, the first story at the dock. Yeah. I'm a hundred percent sure it's happened somewhere because it's not that interesting <laughs> i mean it's not i don't mean it's not interesting but it's not like we we went for our daily walk and then we went to the, end of the dock. sorry i don't mean it like that but i mean it's not so unusual that's okay. maybe no, the yes, word that no, I meant. Yes, yeah, it yeah, doesn't yeah. have an element that's what that's, you meant yeah that's exactly what i meant it's just a, like of course it's a, mor- a morning walk so right. um i i'm 100 percent sure that's happened to somebody um whether or not it's the actual thing that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say, I'm going to just, I'm going to say I think it's three. You think it's uh, the Hamilton one? Or the Hamilton one. Maybe, because people are really Hamilton crazy. Hamilton. It's are like, you, are you a Hamilton fan? Alexander Hamilton. Uh, I'm not a fan in, in the way that, uh, I mean, I'm not a but not I a, am. I'm not a not a fan. Like, I think it's brilliant, but I can't sing you the soundtrack and I don't need to see it a bunch of times. It's genius and, and it's changing our culture and, all those things. We're different people, Lynn. Here's I the think that's real true. story. Okay. It was a summer morning, and we were visiting my wife's family at their lake house for our annual gathering. I had made us each a cup of coffee as a part of our morning routine together, and we walked down to the dock to enjoy it before everyone woke up. She went ahead first, and when we got down to the dock, at the end, she turned around, and I had gotten down on a knee to propose, and her whole family was watching up on the deck from the house. She said yes, and I managed to not drop the ring in the lake. So it was a huge success. So I was actually right because I'm, I was like, I know that first story has happened for sure. You were absolutely right, but you didn't. The I final was also answer wrong. on this is who wants to be a millionaire. This, is how, this is how someone, and this is true of so many situations in life where you can be both right and wrong. Whoa. That's great. That's. I hope I'm going to get that uh, tattooed on, on my put it on a shirt on my left ass cheek. She is both right and wrong. She's both right and wrong. That was true love and two lies. Brought to you by Ginsburg Jewelers. Seriously, go and check out Steve at and, and his amazing team at Ginsburg Jewelers over on First Avenue, across the street from Best Buy, in the same parking lot as Poncheros. Man, I'm hungry, and um. Let them know that we sent you 10% off. They're right next to that beautiful fountain. We're going to be right back with more of Lynn's story. And, yeah, don't go anywhere. This is uh, is one word stories.
Welcome back to the second half of One Word Stories. I'd like to apologize to everyone for the the squealing dog that happened on the fade out. I was going to edit it not, out. That was not me. No, you can't now. Can't now. All right, well, then it's your fault. No, it is my fault, I guess. I didn't know it was an option to edit it. I mean, I, of course I Of course knew you knew option. it was an option. But, you know. <laughs> anyway, I'm talking here with Lynn Rothrock. She puts the Roth in Rothrock. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Uh, we're talking presents. We're yes. talking, but but not Christmas presents. Nope. With a, presents with a C on the end instead of a T. Mm-hmm. A C E really. Yes. Um, Lynn, we left off at at um, talking about what it was like after Ron had passed away. Yes. And I'm so curious to find out what those four years were like, <laughs> and how you guys both remained present through that entire experience. Um. Of finding the <clears throat> diagnosis to the end of it. Yeah. Um, so I guess, can we go back to what it was like sure. when you found out that sure. he had pancreatic cancer? Sure. Um, the diagnosis took a while just because, for whatever reason, there were a bunch of tests they tried to do and they had all kinds of problems. So we knew something was wrong, but we didn't know what. Um, uh, sort of. Ironically and tragically, my father died of the same illness at the same age as Ron. And my father had also had like a Whipple surgery, which is a huge surgery. And um, unfortunately, I had shared with Ron about how terrible that surgery was. (laughs) You dick. I know, but I didn't know. How would you think? Oh, they're going to come someday come to him and say, you have to have a Whipple. I I would have been like, it's the worst thing that could ever happen to a human. Things that suck. Um, But... Yeah, I I mean, there's a lot of there's just a lot of um, medical jargon and a lot yeah, of confusion yeah. around it. It ironically, the very first surgeon that he got sent to ended up getting diagnosed with cancer, and they moved us to a different wow. surgeon, and that guy died, and he was pretty young. Yeah. The surgeon that we ended up with was a music lover who played Ron's music in the OR and and came to all they came to all of our shows. What? And I'm still friends with him and his wife. We still have dinner. Uh, Shout out to Dr. Howe and his sh- lovely wife Denise. Shout um, out Dr. Howe and Denise. Dr. Howe is like the head of oncology at the U- UIHC. <laughs> so wow. huge huge position yeah. which I absolutely um, exploit if I ever have an ailment, like I need, who's your ear guy? I need an ear guy, (laughs) whatever. As you should. I would, I also would exploit that if I had an end with you. Yeah. Um, But you know, uh, I don't know, Ron, it's a little tricky to talk about being present because I would say there's a lot of that time when you really need to check out sometimes just to be, I think uh, that's fair to take just for your mental health. And by talking about presence, I don't, I don't necessarily only want to hear about the times where you were, yeah, 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 I, yeah, yeah. I, I where do, you need to like, you I need do want to hear about the parts where you couldn't yeah. be present. Yeah, and the other piece of that is, I remember um, Ron. <laughs> Ron's um, oncologist suggested he go see this counselor that they have at the cancer center. Um, of course, he was, you know, struggling, and he, of course, was not really into talk therapy and wasn't very interested in that, whatever. And um, mm. but he agreed to go once, right? And uh, when he came home, I said, well, and he goes, well, even, I mean, she s- said, she, even she said, yeah, that's really bad. What you got? <laughs> like, she was like, what's bothering you? And he's like, well, I have pancreatic cancer. And she's like, that's bad. Yeah, right. So we, um, can't, and, <laughs> we can't talk that away. I know. And I said, and he was like, 
well, so then I said, well, what, what do you, you know, what do you think you're going to say to me about it? And the only thing she said that he shared with me was, have you ever thought about the idea of giving yourself a, a vacation from having cancer? Just taking a period of time and pretending you don't have cancer for a while mentally and I don't know if he did that I don't know if it was helpful Uh, is that possible I don't know it's possible for a doctor to say that to someone right I don't know Uh, I don't know but there are all kinds of games we play it's It's... also possible to drink a bunch of beers which is a big coping mechanism for Ron DeWitt right you know (laughs) that's not just him no but I will also say the other thing about him is that he did this thing like he played guitar from the time he was a kid and he would say that he's not the best technician you know although some people wouldn't agree but he he would say i don't play a million notes i just play the right ones you know (laughs) and that's what he would do he would Mm. make phrases and and uh and so when when he was playing he would kind of close his eyes and he would just go somewhere there was a channeling thing that happened when he played and that was the presence that I was just like, it was like magic where he was just doing stuff. And he would say, I just try to get out of the way. That's how he worded it. Interesting. Because I think he knew he was getting something from somewhere. But him to get out of the way by any means. Oh, no. But he himself is like, I don't, I'm trying not to think. I'm just trying to feel. And that's what audiences respond to. That's what made him so special because he's not playing a million notes. He's not flash, flash, yeah. or flashing. Right. He's playing every note is from his soul and it's coming through something that has to do with being totally present and open to the act of making music, which was not how I grew up. You know, I, I'm in the, we rehearse it a lot school of music. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'd like to know what's coming next, please. Kind Uh, of, you know, I'm more like Ron and performing than for sure. I really do like the spontaneity of it. Um, so, so did that all, I wouldn't curious to see how that helped you yeah. in that situation. Well, so it sounds like he had his coping mechanisms yeah. to, to deal with such a heavy thing, of course, with music, um, yes. with, with vices, but <laughs> you know, it's, uh, we yeah. all do. Yeah, 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 for sure. You know, it's not, it's not just a thing that he did, but, but seeing him be present through music, did that, mm-hmm. did that kind of help you or did you have something separate that you had to do for mm-hmm. your own mental health? I didn't do it. I I can't think of anything that I consciously did for my own mental health because I didn't have time. Yeah. When you're a caregiver in that situation, but you're also like the breadwinner, Mm -hmm. which in our case is more like the cracker gatherer. I mean, we're musicians, (laughs) so it's not a lot of money. Yeah. But um, I just was scrambling doing and 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 there was a limitations then on the amount of traveling I could do because I've always done a lot of traveling in my work and I needed to be in Cedar Rapids more. Uh, just like keeping all the balls in the air and also being 100% in charge of all of his medications and appointments because one of the ways he coped was by disengaging from information. Yes. You know? So he, you so I that landed it. on you. Yeah, but I'm telling you, I'm good uh, at it. Really? Like, that must have been hard really being a filter uh, in a way. Yes, but I'm also like, I am, uh, I'm good in a crisis and I will go toe to toe with the doctors or whoever. And, you know, I want information. I want to know. And I absolutely share my opinion, which is based heavily on, um, my, (laughs) not my education, but just my (laughs) gut instinct of knowing the patient Mm -hmm. and being their advocate. Right. And I, I think that's just as like, I wish I had someone like me if I get sick, but I, you know, well, I'm taking you to the doctor next time I go. That's for <laughs> damn sure. I mean, at least at least at this point, I can still advocate for myself. But he just didn't want to try to remember. He didn't. He barely wanted to listen, kind of. Yeah. And so, yeah. and that's fine. That's part. Right. That was my job, and I took. I took. 
it on. And I would say I probably took on the role of caregiver. Uh, it almost became part of my identity, which was just another thing I had to grieve the loss of, you know, Interesting. like I kind of lost my job. Yeah. my One of my main jobs and the fact that he was such a great musician. And I really felt like I needed to kind of get him on stage in front of as many people as possible. Let's talk about that. Yeah. And and truthfully, he's a he was a side man. He was a happy side man. Like he did not want to be the star of the show. And so um, so that meant that like I was in these shows too, but primarily then right. I'd program music that is really just to give him a chance to solo. And, and that was a great opportunity for you guys to, to keep working together. That's and, right. And it brought some normalcy to the entire that's right. thing. That's right. The other thing is it forced me a little bit to try to dip my toe into singing blues, which is, I ah. mean, I'm not, I'm not a blues singer. Um, but just even working with him throughout our whole marriage, like my musical world grew like exponentially by what I learned from him and his grew by the better venues, more money and, <laughs> <laughs> and the idea of rehearsing and learning new songs. Yeah. Cause that's one thing he was in it. So I learned so much from him and then, uh, getting him up in front of people to make music was the very best thing I could have done for both of us. So. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. Well, okay. Let's take, let's go back even further. Okay. Before the diagnoses. Yes. Um, before any of, of these things, before the pandemic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, married life, you know, you're, you're um, uh, making music. Yeah. Diva Palooza is, yes. is very present at this point, I think, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, where are you at? Well, I actually was a... I grew up in Cedar Rapids, but I lived elsewhere for 20 years. So when I came back, it's been 20 years now that since I came back to Cedar Rapids thinking I would stay a year or so. But that's when I met Ron and Mary. Oh God, I did the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> I did the same exact thing. And um, Tell me about it. And so, yeah, I was just, I'd been living in Nashville and I was like, I don't, I think I'd lived there 11 years. So it was like, either you have to, this is where you live now and this is it. Right. Or you need to move. And so I decided to move and I figured I'd probably go to Chicago. That's what I thought. I left Chicago. Yeah. And mm. so when I came up here, I was going to spend some Great time. City. My dad had died. I'd spent some time with my mom. And then I also taught at Roosevelt University in Chicago. In Chicago, yeah. And commuted for a year. Like All of my friends went there. Yeah. <laughs> really? Seriously. All my all the friends yeah. I made in Chicago yeah. were all uh, Roosevelt. Roosevelt students. Yeah. I taught voice technique to the kids that were in the theater conservatory. Got musical it. theater and stuff like that. Oh, that's a great um, school. But so, but the, on New Year's Eve of the first year, I was at a gig here at a hotel and I met Ron. So it, it was just not immediately like we got together, but eventually we got together and then I stayed. Um, but, and I've always kind of had a, uh, a finger in, I don't know why I said finger. That's kind of creepy. I've always yeah, had like, like a, you put your finger and in? I didn't know what to say after <laughs> finger, a finger in the what? I don't want to say. No, I've always done a, a, some kind of teaching and lately it's adjunct at colleges. So sure. I did have done that at several places around here and I did in Davenport and so that's kind of one piece of the puzzle and then I also adjudicate a lot of stuff mm. like I'm pretty sure I adjudicated you when you were in middle school show choir only because your dad came and talked to me when I was on the judge's stand oh really and oh I yeah I don't know why course. I remember that but yeah um I adjudicate a lot of stuff and so I was traveling I and, remember you doing that actually now that you mentioned that oh uh, yeah I've done did a, you talk to us afterwards I might have I might have been like a uh, your critique judge right I don't know um I know her <laughs> But, I, I mean, Ron and I, I got a cruise ship agent, so we were guest entertainers. You, on, you were on cruise ships together? We did. And we were, um, 
at the time of the top of the heap. Like we would go out and just do our show. And I mean, we didn't stay for very long. What a We'd dream. Make... It had its moments. I mean, like we would, like we we did several world cruises where they fly the entertainment to the ship because oh. they can't, you know, the ship takes five months to go all the way around the world. So they would fly us to Honolulu and we would then get on the like ship. a and helicopter? And, no. Or, in, oh, in got it. Okay. Sorry. Okay. So I was in my head. We they were, were landing like, on the ship. You were landing on the ship. <laughs> no, the ship was docked in Honolulu. <laughs> we, we got on, and then we sailed to like <laughs> Sydney, Australia. And during that two-week sail, we did our own show one night, and then got we it. maybe did a, a few songs on another show. And then in Sydney, then they'd fly us home. So we did that kind of thing, and oh. we went all over the world. I mean, it, it was pretty great. It was hard, too. It had its moments. Oh, man, I can't um, think of anything better than traveling the world while performing. Um, okay. <laughs> Personally, but but I haven't experienced well, that. That's I mean, always been a dream of mine. It could be amazing. The things that were challenging for us is that, um, well, we were also older. You know what I mean? Like, being away from home for long stretches it can get tricky. I think yes, when you're young sure. and you don't have to maintain a house. But the other thing was... We were traveling in places that were are difficult. Like we had, we flew into India, wow. and nobody was there to meet us. They forgot to set up a ride. We wow. don't speak the language, and we don't have the money, and right. um, we don't know where we're staying because the cruise ship takes care of you. We flew into South Africa, and got detained at, um, like in um, what's it called? Uh, uh, TSA. No, it's uh, like it, 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 when you go into a country. Cust- it's like uh, customs, but it's like yes. immigration. I don't remember what it was. But like we were in the sitting in a van with people in their rifles, you know, like. That's scary. It was. There were moments that were scary for us because we sailed South America. We went to Dubai. Um, you went to Dubai? Yeah. We were in and out of Dubai a couple times. And I went to Oman. I mean, some of these wow. countries. We did South America. We scaled, sailed down the coast of um, South Af- South America, sorry, and then we went to South Africa, but then we went to Iceland and we went to Hawaii. I mean, we did some really amazing things, no oh, question. Yeah, we sailed through the Panama Canal on Christmas once. Oh, um, but but the jobs for us were like maybe every three months or so. So that meant you had to be ready to go when they called, and it was hard to book work on land, right. which was happy for Hiran. He didn't care, but I still needed to work. And Got it. There were challenges with it, but it was an unbelievable experience. Of course. You know, like, oh, my I God. Mean, yeah. Uh, so, experience of a lifetime. Yeah. So we did a lot of that, and that was pretty um, amazing. And then, uh, yeah. Well, okay. Let's go to Nashville. Yeah. How was Nashville? Okay. Well, okay. First of all, Nashville what? now is a ho- totally different than it was when I lived there. I moved there in, mm, when did I move there? Ninety nineteen ninety. Two, I guess I moved there in 1992 right after graduate school, um, and it was nothing like it is now. Much smaller, but but yeah, it's growing. It, it's so, so fast kind of now. ridiculous it, now. Yeah. Um, but it was a really burgeoning arts community, like that. There was a burgeoning theater community, as well as, of course, the music industry. But I um, got, happened to get a job teaching voice at a college there part time, and so I thought, well, that I'll go there and I'll do a bunch of other stuff. And I did a lot of professional theater. I did I did a lot of music directing of shows and acting and um, singing. And I mean, I had a great time. I had one. I still have wonderful friends from that time, um, and that's where I started recording and decided to do my own shows so I got tired of like waiting for a theater company to produce a show that I'm right for because actually I'm not a very good type I've never been a very good type I no no like no no I mean a type like um 
like ingenue or whatever. Like, uh, you know, I just never was, I'm not a very good type for the categories we put musical theater actresses in. I am now that I'm older, I'm actually probably more castable. Interesting. But, um, I just got tired of waiting and I was like, I really just want to sing songs. Yeah. And I had like folders of songs that I kept. And so I was like, I'm going to do my own show and there's venues all over town. So I did it and then they made a recording of it because it was all. And then um, I started doing that and I uh, came to learn that then I could do anything. Like I don't have to just be one role. I can sing any songs and, um, and then no one else is ever going to be cast in the role of Lynn Rothrock. <laughs> and actually, she's not bad. I mean, yeah. she's a, she's a, it took me a while to get it and I'm still working on it, but what does she do between songs? Yeah. Because that's oh, what really, that's what really makes kind of a cabaret show or, or a show is. How do you continue to engage Because that people audience? can, people, lots of people can sing. And lots of people can sing beautifully. Yes. Uh, but what happens between the songs Gosh. is, I think, the difference between I'm a concert artist or I can be a soloist in X, Y, and Z, and I can command a stage for an hour and 15 minutes or whatever the traditional cabaret set up. The parallels I'm seeing between that um, in your life and, and kind of where I'm at actually right now is so interesting because I this is something I was like, I really want to be speaking into a microphone. Right, right, right. You know, there's no radio jobs anymore. They're all mm-hmm. disappearing. Um Let's make it ourselves. So yeah, here we are making that's it. That's right. And and uh, my dad, when I when asking him for advice, yeah, he has plenty of knowledge on broadcasting and for radio. For sure, yeah. He said, so many people can do one episode uh, right. or one that's day right. of radio. So that's many exactly people can right. do a week of radio. Try doing it for a decade. That's right. That's try, right. Uh, try try maintaining yes. that that interest in your show. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's the hard thing to do. Uh-huh. So, so it's exactly like that. Like know, I've had people, any kind of art, really. Because I used to teach these cabaret classes at TCR, and there's lovely singers. And occasionally, someone would go, "Do do I have? Do you think I have what it takes to do my own show?" Oh yeah. And I'd be like, "Well, I don't know. I mean, there, you sing beautifully, but I don't know what you're going to do between songs. You know, right? Book, go to an open mic or, or somewhere and get three and do a set of th- at least three songs and make it fit, see how it feels. Because it really isn't just being a good singer. Right. It, in fact, it's almost, not, like, that's not even really required. Nobody wants, exactly. Nobody wants to go and see somebody put their hands at their side and just stand there no, and, and sing. No. They want to see somebody emotionally connect yeah. with the song, with the audience. And they um, need to be shared and opened up with between songs. Whatever your deal is. They need to have stage presence. It needs to be, it needs to be you on purpose. It, it needs to be the most entertaining version of yourself. That's right. You have to be, yeah, that's right. I yeah. think is the way to put And it. so that's, that requires being present. Because if you're between song, you know, plus you have to be like, whatever. You don't know what's going to happen. Yep. The lights you flicker. Have you have to be to like, ah. So that is also a really big part of being present. Yeah. So um, going back a little bit further before you yes. moved to Nashville, what, what gave you the idea to go out to Texas? Or to, to Tennessee? Tennessee? Excuse me. Well, I, I had... Uh, I'd lived in the Twin Cities after I graduated college, and then I lived in Seattle for a couple years. Um, It's a long story, but I did some theater in Oregon, and I ended up in grad school in Michigan. So at that point, I was like, I think wherever I live, I want to be able to drive Mm. home to Iowa Mm. because I didn't want to live so far that it had to require an airplane flight because I just learned that from having lived on the West Coast. Um, and so I was like, well, it's maybe either Chicago or Nashville. I'd always kind of been interested in Nashville. And that just happened to be where I got a job. 
wow. first. So then I went there. You had the job before you moved then? Yeah, I started applying for jobs when I was finishing up graduate school. And then I went down and auditioned for this teaching job at a college. And since I got it, then I went there. Also, it was much cheaper than Chicago at the time. And um, it, so, yeah, well, it was a great place to cut my teeth in a lot of ways. And, of course, I've recorded three CDs there. I mean, it's the best yeah. place. Yeah. How was your college experience? Well, I went to Luther. And I loved it as only sickening Luther grads can. I mean, <laughs> we are universally eye rolled at because of how much we love our alma mater. Don't you? Isn't there a big rivalry? It's Luther and somebody else. Well, I I guess uh, Cornell. War, it's Wartburg. Wartburg. But I don't care. I mean, I maybe that's an athletic rivalry, and I don't care I, about that. I, I know. But I I just had a fabulous college experience. Uh, and, and yet I would also say that it's a very classical music department. And that never has been what I do. So in some yeah. ways, I would say I had to find my own way there, too. But, I mean, I loved it. Are there any relationships that, that you've maintained oh, since your college days? my closest friends still in the world are people I went to college with. Really? Oh, 100%. I love that. And now I teach there. So that's even right. stranger. Yeah. That's got to be so weird. It's weird. Um, I mean, uh, to a lesser extent, I, I, I've done some coaching after school at Washington High School. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. it is weird to step into that place as yeah. a coach. Mm-hmm. You know, and having kids look up to you and That's waiting right. for what you, your approval, uh-huh, you know, uh-huh. and it's like you have it uh, uh, unconditionally, guys. I, yeah. I, I promise <laughs> I want the best for you no matter what. But it's a different beast. Um, OK, before college, Lynn's in high school. Lynn went to Kennedy. You're a Kennedy she grad. She was a cougar. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I don't had know a, why I just turned to a Midwest. Or a I don't know. Canadian accent. Um. Yeah, I went to Kennedy. I, you know, I had a lovely upbringing in Cedar Rapids, wonderful parents, and uh, great arts education. You know, I think yeah. Iowa used to be so great at education. Was there show choir when you were in high school? There was, but it was called swing choir, and we didn't dance so heavily. Like, we dan- it was a big deal. I was in Happiness Incorporated. Happiness is, is it's, I thought that was like a newer thing. Oh, no, no. That was before I was there. That's been there Jeez. forever. Um, but then after I, I was to, in momentum, I know, I know. I just had to shout it out <laughs> since we're giving happiness some love right now. Um, there was a period of time where I wasn't really aware of what was happening with show choir in the Midwest because I was working other places. And, and then when I, when I ended up, I got back invited to come to Kennedy to, well, I ended up getting hired to work at show choir camps of America. Um, and I, I saw all these people, I was like, oh my God, what happened to show choir? I mean, because if I was like, I couldn't be in it now because I have breasts. I mean, the dancing was so insane. Oh my gosh. And um, so then that that all kind of happened while I wasn't watching. But then, really then they brought me back to, I did like some master class at Kennedy and I had the same experience. Like, this was my locker. I mean, oh, I, yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was living in Nashville. I know you guys don't care, but I do. I know. I have another, um, how, and, was, how was middle school for you? To keep it moving. Fine. Back. Harding. I, I hated middle school. Did you? I went to McKinley. I mean, I can't say that I loved middle school, but. You know. I mean, okay. I, let's just kind of group these together, though. Uh, okay. So Lynn, as a, a little girl. Yes. Lynn, yes. What did you want to be when you grew up? I wanted to be a singer. Well, that I mean, came, I could have told you true. that when I was about four. Yeah. And I, no, no musicians in my family either. Oh, Not a really? single one. So where do you Nobody. think that love came from? I don't know. I don't know. What did you grow up singing when you were four? What were you singing? Uh, there had to been some well, sort of my, content. My, um, well, yeah, my dad loved country western music and old church hymns. My mom liked Broadway musicals, so we had like the albums mm. that we'd listen to. Uh, I don't know how I knew. 
Right. But I and I think I probably just sucked the air out of the room and made everyone watch me all the time. Yes. I mean, I'm pretty sure Which I was you still do. I do. <laughs> By the way. I know. But I just felt bad for my older sister because she was just like, uh, things were so great until this one came. And uh, now everyone has to watch her all the time. Oh, maybe I um, feel bad for my brothers, too, then, because I am definitely you were the oldest. an attention whore. Uh, right? Aren't you the oldest? Yeah, I am the oldest. Okay, so. Yeah, I've got uh, one's three years younger and then the other's yes. eight years younger than me. Oh, yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. And yeah. you were talking about how, uh, before this made me think of this, yeah. bring it back to the beginning of the episode, mm-hmm. how some people are born with it, yeah. um, with, with that presence and that charisma. Yes. It's so true because my we, we all come from the same place right. and I'm a big extrovert, but I've yes. got uh, uh, my youngest brother, Anthony, yeah. who listens to this podcast. He told me yesterday, hi, Anthony. He, he's an introvert. Right, you know, right, we right. Come, for sure. We come from the same exact household, yep. the same parents, That's but right. we are drastically different Correct. people. Yeah, same with me and my sister, for sure. You yeah. know, mm-hmm. it's just, it's just so interesting how that works out. Yeah, you know, and it's yeah. of course it's inspired by experience, but mm-hmm. I think there is just a bit I do too. of DNA to it, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, I do too. Am I missing anything in your life? Did I skip over anything <laughs> that was dire here? Because we're now at the end of the episode. I don't know. Well, I mean, I'm sure there were definitely chapters we didn't cover, but that's okay. <laughs> it's 58 years is a lot of we time had to an cover. Hour. Uh, <laughs> read, read the memoir. It comes yes, out to yes. bookstores near you in 10 years. Yeah, give me some time to write it first. We'll find you a good we'll ghostwriter. Yeah. <laughs> Lynn? Well, I'll pitch something. Can I pitch something? Pitch it. So Janelle, it. Janelle Lauer and I are giving a concert um, on March 18th and 19th at the Olympic theater how, how can i get tickets um if you go to lynn my website which is lynnrothrock.com there's a link for tickets which is in our bio and also it, there's a facebook event that i think anybody can see and also the olympic theater will start um we're connecting with them to start I pitching it i love the olympic so I, I do too yeah 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 it's a really great new space um i've got a gig in minneapolis i'm wearing a soco um, hat right now february 19th it's steve shriver business again yeah. Okay. He he owns the Olympic. Yes, he's I, a, I know. a partial owner of the Olympic. Yeah. Sorry, just to bring That's that okay. full circle. That's okay. Shout out, Steve. <laughs> um, I've not met you, Steve. Oh, you haven't met him? I've not. He's a good guy. I, I've I've certainly heard his name a lot. So, yeah. So yeah. Um. Is that all? That's that's the, that's the next Those big are, thing. That's the How that's can, the next big thing here. Is for there sure. is there a good place people can follow you? My my website. Okay. Mm-hmm. Go to or Lynn Facebook. Rock. I barf it out all over Facebook. Barf it the out. Whole thing. I'm yeah. very send you a friend request. You yeah, shoot shoot me a friend request or, or follow or me. just follow for sure. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Lynn, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you. It's been a blast. Uh, this has been, and it's it's so crazy because I've known you for such a long time, uh, not so personally until right. right now, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But I've never known your story, and yeah. now I do. Great. So thank you for sharing it with us, and it is fascinating and unique and. I don't know if I could do all the things you did with all the things you've been through. You are a strong, strong woman, and I and I well, thanks. respect you so much. You're going to, I mean, it's going to happen to everyone. Yeah. That's the bad part, but right. thank you. I appreciate you saying so. Uh, it's mm-hmm. how we deal with it that's, that's the beautiful right. yeah. part, right? I hope so. I don't know. I don't know. This has been One Word Stories, <laughs> the show where we take one word and let it inspire the stories we tell. We talked about presents today. Yes. We were very present, I believe. I think so, too. If you'd like to support this show and other shows like it, go to laspodcastnetwork.com slash plus. Subscribe to LAS Plus. Ten bucks a month, you're supporting local creators. We are trying to create something really special here, and you can really be a part of that if you join us. 
on LAS Plus. You're already a part of our community by subscribing to this show and the other ones. But it would really mean a lot to us if um, you put your money where your mouth is. <laughs> we need it. No, but for real, it, there's a lot of great content there waiting for you. Logan, thanks for producing this episode. We haven't talked to Logan this whole episode, have we? Oh, yeah, we did. You did for a little bit. There's a whole puppy scandal. I don't know. Oh, I forgot about the puppy thing. <clears throat> yeah. I hope you wouldn't bring that up again. Uh, any okay. any complaints about the puppy noises, direct those to Logan. But if people subscribe to LAS Plus, they'll get a post show. Thank you for reminding me. Also, Lynn, you got to stick around for about 20 more minutes. You got me. We're going to record a, the LAS Plus exclusive One Word Stories post show. Logan has something really special for us planned that's going to embarrass the heck out of me, I believe. Okay. All right. Great. Everybody, thanks so much. Uh, give me a review on Apple Podcast. Press that subscribe button. New episodes every single Wednesday. I'm Alex Schulte. That's Lynn Rothrock. And I'll be back next week with another episode. Oh, and one last question. What's your word? Mango Mustache Media.